What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today, oh, this episode is so good. And I and I truly don't even want to spend a lot of time on the intro right now just because we had an amazing, amazing hour spent with Caroline Dooner, who you might remember as the author of The Fuck It Diet, which is one of Jenna and I's most like recommended reads for all of our clients that are struggling with their relationship with food. But Caroline just released a new book, Tired as Fuck. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read her official book description, just so you can have like a general idea of the book. But today's conversation, we talk about kind of the why behind the book, where it came from. We also talk about all three of us, Caroline, myself, and Jenna, kind of our own signs and symptoms of burnout, which I think is going to be super helpful. So here is the book description. Blending memoir and blistering social observations, the author of The Fuck It Diet looks back at her desperate attempts to heal her hunger, anxiety, and imperfections through extreme diets, culty self-help methods, and melodramatic bargains with the universe. Offering a frank and funny critique of the cultural forces that are driving us mad, Caroline Duner examines how treating ourselves like never-ending self-improvement projects is a recipe for burnout. We have become unknowingly complicit in perpetuating our own exhaustion because we are treating ourselves like machines, but even phones need a fucking recharge. Caroline takes a good hard look at the dark side of self-help and explains how she eventually uses a radical period of rest to push back against cultural expectations and reclaim some peace. Tired as fuck empowers us to say no to the things that exhaust us. It inspires us to carve out time to slow down and feel okay about doing less and honor our humanity. This is not a self-help book. It's a cautionary tale. It's an honest look at the dogma of wellness and the spiritual self-improvement culture and reveals in the healing power of rest and letting shit go. Now, I have not yet finished the entire book. I did take it with me. Um, and on my, my most recent vacation that I just went on and this has no reflection of Caroline. I told her off air. I only got through a few uh, chapters because I was so tired, tired as fuck, that I ended up falling asleep most of my days. Um, but from what I've read thus far, it is amazing. It's going to be another must read for all of our clients. And if you have been experiencing burnout um, in your life and are wondering, okay, what is burnout? This is an amazing episode for you to listen to. So without further ado, let's jump in 
to our second time having Caroline on the pod. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today we have another repeat offender guest, which we are... (laughs) super excited about. We have author Caroline Dooner. You probably remember her from The Fuck It Diet. And now we have her back to talk about book number two, Tired As Fuck. Your books are so on brand with our podcast. So we're so excited that you're here. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I just, just remembered that the first time I was on, I think it's before you guys rebranded and it was when it was called Drunk Dietitians, right? Gives me the chills still. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Cringe, cringe. But yes, we were definitely drunk dietitians at that time. And I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, you were still in New York at the time. I think Molly was trying to dig a hole into your wooden floor. I was like, in Philly. Philly. I oh, was yeah. in Philly. Philly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I just remember that like the whole time Molly was like, oh my God. And she still does it, but less in this house. Cause I think she has more room to find a comfortable spot. Apparently that's like a, like an innate thing where they're like mm-hmm. trying to make a comfy spot. Yes. Like yes. I talk about that it on like closet. couches yeah. and like floors and it's like, okay, you're not. Do you understand? <laughs> I remember the last time you were on, we were so new and so like not good at this. <laughs> I just remember I was like laying on the floor in my husband's office because I was when I was closest to the router. So I oh my God. I totally understand. So at the end of this episode, you need to tell us if we've improved. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure, I'm sure you have. Hopefully I've improved too at being on podcasts. Exactly. We're all growing. (laughs) We're all growing. That is what we're here for. So before we get into your book, which we're really excited to talk about, we want to just start with a question for you, just kind of like a little opener. And I'm sure you have loads of answers (laughs) to this question, but we love to just start with what is your most recent or most profound moment that's kind of stopped you in your tracks related to diet culture that has made you say what the actual fork is going on. So whether it was a commercial you saw, something that happened in real life, something you saw on Instagram, like what has stopped you in your tracks? This is kind of hard actually, because I like, I do this weird thing now where I like tune everything out in a way that's like good and bad. It's like good for me as a person. Cause I'm like, wh- like, I just care so little that I'm like, it like, <laughs> it like doesn't even stick, but it's bad because this is like something that I am in theory supposed to like think a lot about and talk a lot about, write a lot about. And I like, can't even retain information about any diets anymore. And like, so this is not, this is not a good answer to your question, but like people will DM me and be like, can you please talk about like this new crazy diet? Or like, what do you think about this new crazy diet? And I'm like, I've never heard of it before. And I'll probably never hear of it. Cause I literally am in a bubble. And even when I do come up against it, like, I just, I like, can't retain the information. It's very weird actually. It's not weird at all. And (laughs) I'm actually so happy you said that because you just jogged my memory of a post that you put up. I want to say it was not even like a week ago. I remember because I was on vacation and I 
sent it to my team and they were like, stop working. And I was like, I'm not working. Like, I just <laughs> really like this post. Like, and I wanted to reshare it. But I forget exactly what you said, but you, it was about basically like dietitians and yes. health professionals and how once we're so far like removed from this, like we don't even want to talk about it anymore. Yes, that is the thing. And it, I really think it's, it's a good thing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a sign of true healing where you're like, look, I can recognize it. I know what's diet culture and I know what's not diet culture. I, I know how to navigate this world now, but it doesn't trigger me the way it did when I had all of this stuff that I was still working through and still healing and still discovering. Um, and I think that that is like for anyone who's in the middle of the process or just starting the process, it may seem like, like this fantasy world where like, you won't be thinking about it all the time or won't be even like anger. Like I think in the beginning for me, I was super angry. I was like, why were we not told this? Like, why are we all told if, like, you know, made to feel so bad about ourselves? Like all of this stuff, I was so pissed and it helped so it like helped me do the research and talk about it and all of the stuff, but I, I like, just don't feel that way anymore. And again, it's not that I don't think it's wrong. It's not that I don't like care or like, wouldn't stand up for something or someone, but it's not as charged. And I think that's, you know, I think that's a good thing. And I think that that's like what happens when you process your shit essentially. Absolutely. And I I'm, don't want to steal the mic from Jenna 7,000 times, but I found your post. So I want to read it to do it justice. This is the post I was referencing. There's a reason why so many people who start out as food and body image writers, coaches, influencers move on to other topics after a few years. Once you heal, the rest of your life opens up to you. Once you heal, you don't really want or need to talk about food and body image anymore. And I know that I completely relate to what you're saying. And I see Jenna shaking her head and Jenna and I have talked about our angry stages on here. That's where my fuck diet culture Friday was born. Right. Jenna and I talk about how like, well, just, just the need to feel like you have to post on like every bullshit, like post you see and be like, what is this bullshit? Yes. Like, but yes. now it's like, oh, this doesn't serve me anymore. So I'm not even going to pay attention to it. So right. I'm so happy that you said that and brought that up. Yeah. And it's like anger, you know, if you want to look at like the, you know, the concept of emotions, like we, unless we're really aware of it, most of us kind of like don't process our emotions in real time. And so when we kind of realize, oh shit, there's like a lot of stuff that I haven't really dealt with or haven't really felt it like can kind of feel really overwhelming. It's sort of similar to food. It's like, if you haven't been allowing your hunger, you're going to feel really, really hungry. And it's going to feel a little bit out of control and a little bit extreme and a little bit scary for a time while you're kind of doing this overcorrecting. And then it comes back to something that feels like balance. I feel like it's really similar with emotions and anger. Anger is interesting because like, I feel like it, it works a little bit differently because it was sort of like, I was learning like, oh my God, like. I was learning that I should be angry about all this stuff and I should have been, you know? Um, and it was this, like, it was like, it was like this, if, if you allowed yourself to feel it and kind of ride it, it like took you through the healing process. It like gave you enough energy and like passion to do the hard thing you know, and to stand up for yourself. And then it kind of serves its purpose. And then you kind of get to the other side and then there's new stuff to, 
to heal from <laughs> and do and enjoy. I think that's like, it's made me stop and think when you were saying that it's like, sometimes I feel like I go through these creativity lulls and I'm like, this is really fucking bad for business, yeah. but it's like so good for me because it's like exactly what you said. Like, it's just not what I'm thinking about anymore. And then yes. I'm, I'm looking at all these other creators and like, oh, they're so good at what they do. Oh my God. I feel that way all of the time. I feel that way about Sam. I'll be like, oh my God, she's just like churning out content and I can't even like it's like hard for me to even like force myself to think of a little tweet you know and but like well, I, I feel that way too so thank you for saying <laughs> that but I think we're all in the same boat yeah and and it, it's very true it's like this is really bad for my business and me like needing to be essentially the person who like keeps selling the fuck it diet like in theory, I should be posting all of the time, all the same thing over and over and over and over again. And like, if I was really a smart business person, I would hire somebody to do that for me, but I'm not. <laughs> so I'm like, I just thought I want to, I want to talk about other things. Um, but yeah, I totally get it. Totally get it. Well, I think we can definitely all agree. And I, and I feel that way too. It's, it's hard because I, it, it makes sense though, like how we joked when we opened this podcast about growth and hopefully we're better at this now kind of thing with podcasting, but it's like, yeah, once you heal your relationship with food and, and that's kind of, you know, some of those beginning chapters of your new book, Tired as Fuck, like you talked about that, like once you healed your relationship with food it's like, oh, now we're just uncovering and unpacking like all the other shit that's down here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's huge parallels to other areas yeah, of our so lives. I would love if you could just start this conversation or keep it going with like, how was tired as fuck born? And like, obviously it makes sense that it's coming after the fuck it diet. So how did that come to be? And where did this whole idea of the book come from? Yeah. So, you know, to kind of like zoom through the timeline, it was, it was 10 years ago at this point that I had, you know, what I always refer to as my fuck a diet epiphany, where I finally understood why I was so stuck and why in intuitive eating wasn't working for me. It's because I wasn't really doing it. I was still treating it as a diet. So I had this epiphany. I started researching. I like had this deeper understanding um, and I started writing about it. 10 years ago. And, you know, it took a couple years for me to really feel like I was on the other side of it. Um, and I would say about five years in, I was still writing about it. I was like, you know, I was, it was essentially my job at that point to like run workshops and write. And I was starting to write the fuck a diet book. And I found myself really, really, really burnt out. And it was, it was interesting because so many aspects of my health had improved so much from stepping away from dieting and eating more food. My sleep improved, my mood improved, my hormones improved. You know, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was a teenager and then it got super muddy because I was never eating enough, but I thought my problem was overeating. So I like rarely got my period, but I thought that was PCOS. It was definitely partially not eating enough food. It was probably a combination of the both, but um, so many things really did improve, but I still, I hit this wall and I really, I mean, I was extremely physically tired and really kind of like dreading everything that I was supposed to be doing. I was doing a lot of freelancing at the time. I was still living in New York. 
I was still trying to be an actor on top of running the fuck a diet and writing the fuck a diet. And I was coaching kids and I was doing improv and bar base. Like I was doing a lot. Um, and I, this is such a strange, you know, way that I came to my, my burnout epiphany and my, my rest epiphany, but it was, it was also the age of, uh, the life-changing magic of tidying up that book where by Marie Kondo, where people would con Marie their lives and you pick up every item and you say, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't, you get rid of it. And then you become a conscious consumer and you make sure that you only bring things into your life that spark joy. And I like ran with that. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is so great. I feel so liberated. I got rid of so much stuff. It felt so great, but like after a few weeks of having like way less stuff, I had this realization that I had to, <laughs> or I, I felt like I needed to apply that to all of the things that I was forcing myself to do. And I know that that sounds super extreme, but it was this like symbolic thing of like, oh my God, she's talking about how stuff in our life has an energetic weight. Like it, it, it's able to literally like weigh you down, weigh your space down. What about all of the things that I'm forcing myself to do that I have never examined? All of the jobs, me forcing myself to still be an actor because of these bullshit subconscious beliefs about what I'm supposed to do or giving up is weak or whatever. All of this stuff, I realized that my exhaustion, while yes, it was physical and it absolutely was physical and it required physical rest, it was just as much mental and emotional and stemming from current beliefs and shoulds and pressures that I had taken on, but also it went so far back. Like if, when I went back and I was like, oh my God, I have been feeling guilty and feeling like I I'm not doing enough or I should be doing more or I should be doing life differently, or I should be more impressive or be further along since I was a teenager. Like I've been, I've never, never relaxed, never, never. Any downtime, I wasn't relaxing. I was worried. I was feeling guilty. I was wondering what I should be doing. I was feeling guilty for saying no or taking a night off or taking a week off. I was never, ever, ever calm and I never let myself relax. And it was like this light bulb went off where I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. I just went through this huge, like, healing journey with food where I essentially unlearned all of this stuff and all of the stuff that I was putting on myself, all the stuff, all the, the ways that I was talking to myself, all of this bullshit that was totally arbitrary, totally cultural, that didn't have to be the case. I just had to unlearn it and, and let myself off the hook and, and kind of let things, um, I don't know, like normalize on their own. There was this lack of trust, right? There was this lack of trust in my body, lack of trust in my appetite, lack of trust in my health. And it was about unlearning that stuff and kind of like letting it be. And it worked so well, but I was now realizing that I had all of these beliefs and all of this stress and all of this guilt about, about so many other parts of my life and specifically about career stuff and what my career was supposed to look like and how hard I was supposed to be working. And, you know, when was I allowed to relax? Never. <laughs> and personal life stuff, because I also felt super, super stressed, um, to, ever stay in. Like I, and I was so tired. So it was like, I was, it was so at odds. I, I was so at odds with how I actually felt, but I was burnt out, but I like, wouldn't let myself 
take, you know, stay in because like I was single, still I'm single, but I was single. And like, I had to be like constantly available or constantly like seeking that thing that I could check off my list and tell myself like, okay, good. Like you're doing life right. You know? So there were all of these beliefs that I realized I was operating under and it got to a point where it really ran me down physically. Like I, I really believe that that mental and emotional kind of like constant drain. And, and I sometimes describe it as like, it's like you have a tire and like, there's just this like slow leak in it. So you don't necessarily, you don't see the nail. You don't, it didn't pop really quickly. You don't really know that there's anything wrong with it, but it's like slowly leaking. And you're like, why is my tire getting flat? That's how it felt. It was like, it had been happening over a long time. And it was all of a sudden that I was like, something is wrong. Like I need, I need to fix this. I need to figure out where the air is getting out and like, see if I can like figure this out. So I decided to declutter my whole life and really take stock of all of the things that I was still forcing myself to do, or all of the things that I was for forcing myself to feel or think about everything. Um, and see what I could let go of. Because obviously I couldn't let go of everything. I still had to work, I still had to do things. I still wanted to do some things. Um, but I was so tired and depleted that I just didn't have, I just, I like literally, it wasn't me being like, oh, like I'm, I think I'll be happier if I just like do a little bit less. It was like, it was stemming from a very not okay place. Like I was not, I was not able to function normally. So the first big thing that I realized I had to do was move out of New York because New York is so expensive <laughs> and I needed to be able to do a little bit less and to have a little bit more freedom. And I knew that I couldn't do that in New York. So that's when I moved to Philly. And then with that, I was able to say, okay, what jobs and careers am I still forcing myself to do or what even like little parts of my business? Cause I'd been running the fuck a diet at that point. Um, what, what things am I forcing myself to do that I don't actually have to do? It's just based on what I believe I'm supposed to be doing or, and, and the mode, and I'm sure you guys understand this as business owners, but the mode that I was in for the five years before that was not only like, oh my God, crisis state. I have like essentially an eating disorder that I'm healing and I'm writing about and I'm doing this and I'm starting a business and I'm doing that and I'm learning how to do like make a website and do all this backend stuff. It was great. Like it was all supposed to be that way. Like you kind of have to hustle in the beginning, kind of have to like, you know, try everything, say yes to everything, be on everyone's podcast. But it got to a point where not only did I not have to do that anymore, but I literally couldn't. Like I, I, I had to force myself to just change the way I was operating and trust that if I said no to some things, it was going to be okay. Because what started happening is when I really tried to rest and I really tried to do less, all of this guilt came up, all of these beliefs came up, all of this stress came up. And thankfully I was aware enough to be like, okay, that's, that's the shit. Like, that's what I have to work through. Cause that's what I'd done with the food and body and diet thing. It was like, okay, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do on paper, but what's going to come up is all your shit, all your stress, all your beliefs. And you're going to have to work through that, or you're never going to be able to actually relax around food. It's very similar. Like if you let yourself eat, but you're feeling guilty about it, you're going to stay stuck. 
if you let yourself rest, but you're feeling guilty about it, you're going to stay stuck and you're going to stay tired. So it was this, I decided to do this. It was like a half joke, but it was also very real. It was this two years of rest, two years of this like healing phase where I allowed myself to do the bare minimum. And I was going to be very, very deliberate about working through the guilt that came up when I actually allowed myself to do the bare minimum. And, and that's what inspired the, um, not the fuck I died. That's what inspired tired as fuck though. When I sold the book and started writing the book, it was called two years of rest. But then as I wrote it, I was like, this book is like, not going to be about this is book is only going to get to the two years of rest at the end. It's really about how I became tired as fuck and how we become tired as fuck. And that's my very long. <laughs> there are so many things I want to come back to. And I just want to start with the tire because that's my biggest anxiety. Like not oh my God, life, but like a slow leak in a no, tire literally destroys me. No, I know. I know. Every, no, seriously. Every time I get in the car, I'm like, tires, they're good. If that light goes on, I won't go anywhere. My husband's no, like, know. it's cold outside. I'm like, know. no, like you don't know that. It's a slow leak. <laughs> But one of the things, and I actually listened to you speak on another podcast and it was amazing. And something that you say so eloquently that I think for some of our listeners that are not in the phase of healing that, you know, we on this screen perhaps are the inability to allow rest is one thing, but people might not actually even know what rest consists of because there are accounts that are like, take a rest day and like ride your Peloton. And that's what our listeners are following. Right. Um, and there's also like the ability we had a conversation with, I believe it was Marta Perez. Um, who is an OBGYN about postpartum women and mm. the inability to rest where your mind is racing because you're thinking about, you know, everything that somebody else is now taking care of. And I think right. there's a lot of parallels to what you're saying. Yes. Um, and it can be categorized as anxiety, but I think what you're hinting at is there's so much more to it. So can we elaborate on that a little more? Yes. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people, when, <laughs> when I was in my two years of rest phase and I was like, I would talk about it. I'd be like, guys, I'm resting. I'm resting. I'm not going to do that. I'm resting. It was like, it was like a half, again, it was this half joke where like, I knew it sounded absurd. Like I'm resting or like, I would put it in my like Facebook, like, like my Facebook occupation was rester. Like I was leaning into the absurdity of it, but it was also very, very, very true. Um, and a lot of people who, you know, were following me at the time, were still going through their own healing journey with food. So they assumed what I meant by rest was rest from exercise. And they would ask me about it. Oh, can you talk more about that? I need to rest from exercise too. And I was like, no, no, I understand why you think that. And of course, rest from exercise can absolutely be a part of like overall rest or even just like being aware of how we do need rest from exercise. Not maybe not every day, but maybe often enough, but I had actually already been through that healing phase. I'd been through the food and body healing phase. I'd been through the, you know, never, like I didn't do cardio for, I mean, I still don't formally do cardio, but I didn't do cardio for like a year or two or three. Um, and, or I didn't like, I really was like very aware of like 
I'm super depleted. Like I need to do this refeeding thing. Like I need to just give my body a rest and wait till it feels good. So that was something that I did way back, you know, at this point, 10 years ago, while I was resting five years ago. So that wasn't even like what I was thinking. What I was thinking was I never, ever let myself off the hook. So to me, that's what rest is. There are many ways to rest, quote unquote, and it's not just lying in your bed and doing nothing, though that is absolutely rest. And I do think that this idea of of letting ourselves do nothing, um, is so, it's so foreign to us. And it's, it, it, it really, like, it's one of the things that's in the fuck it diet is that 10 minute lie down, which to me is like essentially a meditation. And it's so easy because you don't have to clear your mind. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to breathe a certain way. You don't have to like get anywhere. All you need to do is take a 10 minute break from life. And it sounds so simple that it doesn't even sound like good advice. It sounds like, okay, okay. Like what, like, okay, maybe I'll try that. But like, what else you got for me? You know? And it, it really, because it's so far into us, because it's just so, and I, I'm saying this now as somebody who like, doesn't really do my, I started, I started a week ago. I was like, I am still like, you know, we learn, we go through healing phases and then we're like, oh shit, now I'm doing this again with fucking Instagram. Like I am now like a fucking Instagram addict. And like, definitely 1 million percent is going to have to be my third book of like, girl, like I just replaced everything with stupid Instagram. Like, oh my God. But I'm, I'm definitely like, okay, Caroline, like, why don't you take your own advice and like, see what you're doing. But it's so foreign to us to actually have even just a small amount of time where we're not taking in information. We're not scrolling. We're not listening to a podcast. We're not doing anything. Like think about how much time our ancestors had to just think or just kind of like get into the zone and just like do their little tasks. We so rarely do that because we're bombarded with information and it, it, it affects, it, it affects us. It affects our mental health. It affects the way our brain works. It affects, like it can keep us in this like activated state where we're never like getting into that, like parasympathetic rest, digest, you know, phase that's so important for healing and so important for digesting food and, you know, actually recuperating. So there really is something to be said for allowing yourself to truly do nothing. And then understanding that when you truly do nothing, even if it's for five minutes, your shit's going to come up. Like the stuff you haven't dealt with is going to come up. The stuff you don't want to think about that you need to think about, or that you need to deal with or process, it's going to come up. And that's really why we don't do it because it feels horrible in the beginning, just like allowing yourself to eat. You're like, oh my God, I'm a food addict. I can't do this. Or, oh my God, this feels horrible. I don't want to feel this. I can't do this. So that's one aspect of rest. And that's a difficult one, but it is straightforward enough because it's like, okay, just do nothing for five to 10 minutes and like, see how it is but we're going to, we're all going to resist it every day of our lives. The other part is 
just letting yourself have what I call frivolous downtime and saying no. And that can include TV. It can include all of these mindless things that, you know, we do fill our time with, but that are, are not in the productive category or quote unquote productive category. Cause of course we can make the argument that doing nothing and having fun and relaxing is actually productive because it's good for you. But like in the stereotypical productive category, can we allow ourselves not to do that or like make time for ourselves to just have fun or just relax or just do our quote unquote guilty pleasures and actually, and then your shit's going to come up there too. Cause you're going to think, oh shit, I shouldn't be doing this. Or I, only, I should only be doing this for 20 minutes or I should only be doing this for even two hours. And then I better get back to being productive, you know? And it's not that being productive is bad. It's not. It's how are we distracting ourselves from what we need to actually deal with? And, and how are we keeping ourselves in this like activated state that for a lot of us, like we can go years and years and decades in that state and like maybe know that something is off or maybe know that you were like using busyness or productivity or any other thing in like maybe a dysfunctional way, but it's okay. And at least we're getting things done. At least people are praising us and at least we're making a lot of money. But if it's a dis if it's dysfunctional and if it's <laughs> unbalanced, unbalanced, it will catch up with you. And it will probably deplete you in some way. And that even that emotional, mental, nonstop kind of like go, 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 go. Um, you know, it affects your body and your body affects your mind. So it becomes this whole body thing. Like one of the things that one of my like, but like talking points for a tired as fuck, especially with more mainstream outlets is like, look, we think of, we think of burnout as being a purely physical thing. We think like, oh my God, we were working too hard. We were sleeping too little. We just got to take a little vacation and sleep it off. And then we'll be good as new. And that may be the case. And that's usually like part of the the case, but there's this whole mental and emotional part that we also allow to run us down and is more like the mode that we're going in and like the way that we're approaching things and the guilt we feel when we're not doing it quite the way we believe we should. And if we don't address that, it doesn't really matter how much downtime we give ourselves because we're still going to be depleted. That tire is still going to be leaking energy, even while we're like, quote unquote, resting. So it really is like the state of mind and like, how guilty do you feel for resting? Like how, what are you taking on? What are you, what, what cultural beliefs about what you should be doing or how things should look? What are you not even realizing is in your subconscious that it, you're allowing to deplete yourself or make yourself feel terrible about your life when your life is perfectly fine and you should feel great about yourself. Whew, taking some deep breaths over here. <laughs> this is so good. So good and so needed. And you touch on so many good points. And I think one that you just started to get into, which is such a perfect like question to kind of keep keep your wheels spinning here is you talked about kind of like what we might think burnout is and how it's like, oh, okay. If I just 
Um, you know, I'm just going to go on vacation for a week and sleep and try to disconnect mm-hmm. from my phone and then I'll come back and then I'll be recharged and then things will be great. Mm-hmm. I know you've touched on it a little bit. I would love to hear what were your biggest, like, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional signs of burnout. Mm-hmm. And then I would love for yeah. myself and Jenna to share, because I know I have some and mm-hmm. Jenna, I'm sure you might too. And just how that can show up so differently for everyone. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is the big thing, right? And one, one book that I really do recommend on this subject is the book laziness does not exist because I actually was writing tired as fuck and I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is like what I'm talking about, but it's putting, it's like, it's, it's, there are studies, <laughs> like it's putting it in this, like it's, it's legitimizing it even more. Cause I knew I experienced it and I knew intuitively that there, that there was this mental and emotional piece to my burnout and so many people's burnout, but that book really like kind of like supported that theory with data, so to speak. But what's really interesting and something that that book really kind of put into words is that the way burnout manifests in people is actually often signs of, or symptoms of anxiety and depression. And a lot of like listlessness and like apathy and inability to focus and irritability and obviously being tired, but it's more like, I can't, like, I can't focus and I can't even like gather the, the, the strength. I can't gather the energy to like do this very simple thing that like I used to do just fine. It's not that hard, but it's, it's deeply difficult to me. And that I think so many people are experiencing. I mean, I experienced it as looking at my schedule that I had put together the schedule. I was working for myself. I was like, I was creating my life at that time in some ways. And I looked at everything that I had to do and I just felt like, oh my God, kill me. <laughs> like, I hate every, like, I hate everything. I hate everything that I have to do. And there's nothing like logically horrible about what I have to do, but I'm like tapped out and I don't care anymore. And I, it was like, I reached this place of like apathy of like, oh my God. And, you know, it's really interesting. I think, I think one of the, one of the, yeah. It's so hard because there are so many different causes. There's so many different causes. There's so many different ways someone can be burnt out. And there are so many different things that one may need to replenish. And they could be totally opposite things from another person. I was talking to somebody the other day who's married, who has a, I think a four-year-old and she was talking about how burnt out she is after, you know, two years of COVID everything. And, you know, how we're all kind of feeling that way and how she just wants time to herself. She just wants quiet. She just wants like less to do. And all that's really like obvious burnout stuff, right? Like nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And she said that she was talking to a friend of hers who's single and I, they're, they're Canadian. So they've had like way harder lockdowns than us, like, and they've been way more isolated. And she was talking to um, a friend of hers who's single and was like, oh my God, I'm so burnt out all I have been doing for 
like almost two years is like sitting in my apartment and like doing puzzles. And like, I just want to be out seeing people. And I just want to be out dating. Like I feel so depleted. And so, and she was like, <laughs> she's, you know, the person I was talking to who, who had the child and felt like all she wants, she was like, how could you be burnt out? Like, all I want is to sit in, in an apartment for two years by myself and, and do puzzles and have nobody bother me. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. Like different things can, can deplete you. And you may need the exact opposite thing as somebody else to feel like you get some sort of like rejuvenation, because this is not just a physical thing. This is a mind, body, spirit thing. You know, this is like a mon, mind, body, spirit, like a misalignment. And like, even, you know, some, for some, for a lot of people, it's just like being in a mode of operating that is very unsustainable or having all these beliefs about how productive you need to be. But for some people, it's like just being in the wrong life for them, like being with the wrong part, trying to make the wrong relationship work, trying to make the wrong career work. That's one of the things that killed me. Like I was trying to be an actor for so long thinking I have to, like I have to. People from my high school will be disappointed in me if I like, like who the fuck cares? But like I let that run my life for a long time. And there was no other option other than to let it deplete me. But you know what I just realized? You asked me a question and I have no idea what the question was or if I'm even close to answering it right now. You absolutely nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just from the perspective of the example that you just gave about those two women, I mean, that's that's the episode. <laughs> that's it. Like, mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. that's the book. I mean, that is everything. And I think so often we play this comparison game with everything on social media of all types, right? And like, you just have no idea what somebody is going through or what is hurting or helping them. And I think, yeah. you know, Sam asked, the question was, um, oh my God, there's a truck coming and my dog's going to bark. So let me talk fast so I can mute. Um, but <laughs> the question was like, what are our signs and symptoms of burnout too? And for me, it's interesting. One thing you mentioned so many of the ones that I can relate to, but one that I also see a lot is when I open the fridge and nothing nothing sounds good to me when I'm like not a foodie by any means, but like, I love food and I love my flavors and I love the things that I love so much. And like, I buy the things that I love and they're always in my fridge. But when I'm in a space where like the things that I love don't bring me joy, like food yes. is one of the first places I recognize that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's taken me a very long time to realize what like what that means. But like, there are days where I'll look in the fridge and I'm like, I don't want anything for breakfast. And that's right. not me. And then I'm like, right. okay, something's wrong. Right. <laughs> oh my God. That's such a good one. That's such a good one. Yes. I love that. I think the one that stands out to me the most, and I'm glad you, you mentioned this is, you know, being a sign leading to burnout, but like being in a career that is not for you, right? Or trying to make a specific type of relationship work. And for Jenna and I always talk about our transition from like being diet culture dietitians to intuitive eating dietitians and in this anti-diet space. And I, oh my gosh, was I experiencing burnout when I knew in my heart that I kind of had to like unlearn all of the diet culture stuff, flip my business on its head, relearn all of this anti-diet stuff. But I was like, been straddling and had like one foot in diet culture, one foot in intuitive eating. 
And I, my biggest sign symptom was just waking up with pure dread yes. every day. Like, yes. like as soon as my eyes opened yes. and then also like snapping at my husband, if he would be like, good morning, I'd be like, right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> right, like, right, 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 right. I was like, like, I, I was like, don't talk to me. And I was like, oh my God, I need help. Like that, yes. that I, I will never forget. I like broke down crying in the shower one morning and I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to somebody. And like, that was my moment of like, something is not right. Yes. Like, like something is off. Right. And, so off. and, and if something is off, what it means is you're expending a shit ton of energy on something you don't even care about or believe in anymore. Yes. And that is inherently depleting. Like that's yes. what it is. And life is trying to tell you that, right? Like, so we can look at it as in, in that case, especially. And I think a lot of people can relate to that or can think back to a time when that was the case for them, but it's a gift, right? It's if we're willing to look at it, it's like, okay, it's not supposed to feel like this. So what's wrong and what needs to happen? And it's hard and it's scary, but like, just like healing your relationship with food, like there is way more happiness and freedom and peace on the other side once things are more aligned. And then the bad news is it can keep happening. Like that's life of being like, okay, let's take stock. Like, is this still working for me? Is this still like, you know, that's what I'm doing right now. Like, honestly, I feel that way of talking about anything related to food. I like could not fucking care less. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> like this is kind of what people expect of me. So how can I not lose my mind and not like dread being like, oh, okay, gotta make a post, you know, like that's, it's, it, it's happening again. So if you can get to a place where like, it's okay, you know, I'll, it's going to like, it, it worked out before we figured it out before we've done this before we can do it again. You know, there's this big belief that humans tend to have of like, okay, once I figure this one thing out and once I get to that goal, I'm great. I can relax. I'll never feel bad again. I'll never feel stressed again. I'll just coast. Right. And that doesn't happen. Like e even, even billionaires are like, you know, needing to go, like needing to having like emotional issues, you know, feeling unfulfilled. Like we never, we never get there. And if we can just like understand that, then when we feel that again, it won't be like, oh shit, everything's wrong. It'll be like, no, this is just another thing we got to figure out. And it's, it's okay. I love this so much. And my, my question would be just like towards the end of this conversation, besides reading your book and going to therapy, <laughs> what what would be something that you would recommend the audience today to either take stock in, to become aware of, or like a step that they could take when hearing this is bringing up, let's say like a lot of emotions, because I imagine anybody listening to this episode, I mean, I'm getting the chills and I'm like, wow, like realizing <laughs> so many more, I can imagine others are feeling right, the same. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So a couple things, because I know it can be really overwhelming. Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh shit, something's not right. I think a lot of people get really stressed because they're like, I can't quit everything. And I don't even want to quit everything. And I don't know, I don't know where to start. And I don't I, like, there's a lot of fear and like, well, what's my life going to be? And like, what am I supposed to do? And so, you know, and I say this in the book a lot too, because a lot of the 
book, a lot of tired as fuck is me kind of like telling my story and also being like, Hey, like you might be doing this too, or you might be doing this in this way. We all kind of tend to do this and, you know, it allows people to reflect, Oh, okay. This is, this is where that kind of like relates to me, or this is where I'm doing that in my own life. And I say like, please, please know and understand that if you are feeling the way that I was feeling, you do not have to do what I did. You do not have to overhaul your whole life. You don't have to move. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. And if you do do something, it can be small and it can be slow and it can be like a gradual way of taking stock of, okay, what's working for me? What does bring me joy? What makes me feel dread? It can be a slower process and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be as extreme as what I did. And I, I believe that it, it will still be um, helpful and beneficial. But one of the things that I did and one of the things that I recommend is to make a big list of all of the things in your life that are potentially depleting you. And as you make the list, tell yourself you don't have to do something about everything on this list and nor can you always do something about everything in this list. But make a really, really big list and make it as long as you possibly can. It should, it'll probably be way more than one page. And the, and the reason is because the very first step is awareness. Like for most people, they're burnt out and they have no idea why I was burnt out. And I didn't believe that I, first of all, I didn't even know that I was burnt out. I was like, I'm really tired. I didn't even put the word burnout on it for a couple of years. Like I didn't even put that together. I was like, I'm really tired and I need to do less. And I'm like really having a hard time. I need to rest. Um, but I also didn't believe that I deserved to be because when I looked around and I compared myself to other people, I was like, there's no reason why I should be burnt out. Like my life is, is great and easy. And like, what's, what's wrong with me? And it took me understanding the mental and um, an emotional piece and that like constant guilt piece and that constant depletion piece that I was like, okay, all right, that actually makes sense. So I, I let myself kind of take stock of all the reasons that I was exhausted and I was depleted and all the things in my life that I had forced myself to do and was still forcing myself to do. Um, you can even add on that list, like things that may have burnt you out in the past that are like cumulative and like really big stressors you went through that you never were able to like fully recuperate from just to look at it and be like, you know what, this makes sense now. Like I can at least look at this and understand that I'm, I'm juggling a lot. I've juggled a lot and this, you know, like to legitimize it for yourself. So you don't feel so, so it doesn't feel so abstract. And then you can go through and you can say, look, I'm sure I can't get rid of all of these things on this list, but is there anything on this list that I actually can do something about? Is there anything on this list that I can take a break from? Is there anything on this list that I told myself before that I had to keep doing, but I don't actually have to keep doing, or I, or I could like figure out a way around that even just for a time and just start super, super basic. I mean, like if you are forcing yourself to go to this particular exercise class, not to bring this back to food and, and weight and exercise, but it's a, it's a pretty good example of like, it doesn't mean that the exercise class is bad or that you should never do it again. 
but maybe you don't have the energy for it, or maybe you don't really enjoy it as much as you enjoyed it in the beginning. And maybe taking a couple of months off would give you the time and space to relax and maybe find another exercise class that you like more, or maybe miss the exercise class and go back to it when you have the energy for it. Um, I really think it can be that basic. Um, and I think that's a lot more approachable too, because what I did was a little extreme. I was like, I'm over it. I'm resting for two years. I'm moving cities. I hate everything. I'm quitting acting. I'm doing this. And it was amazing. Like I felt a lot of relief really quickly, but I, I, I know that that's not possible for everyone, nor is it, um, like approach approachable for everyone. And, and so I really, I do think that we can just take it one little, one little thing at a time. And just that constant, you know, like every so often, every six months, every year, just like checking in with yourself of like, okay, how, how's it going? <laughs> how am I doing? Uh, am I like do doing okay? Because a lot of the things that I kind of like overhauled a couple of years later, I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. Or I don't even want to do that anymore. Like we don't have to, we don't have to like choose a life and just like stick to it for the rest of our life. Like whatever our rest looks like, doesn't have to be our new life. It can just be like what we need right now. You know, that was so helpful. And I think the awareness piece is like you said, it's the most important piece because if we don't have awareness, then we can't really do anything else like and right. I think I think this episode is going to be so helpful for people to start that awareness piece and this whole conversation is making me think of uh, multiple conversations we had with Brianna Campos who is body image with Brie on Instagram one of our favorite body image therapists and she had the quote like unless you're dead you're going to feel negative emotions and so like if anyone is listening to this and is starting to feel negative emotions and then guilting themselves for feeling negative emotions, like you don't need to keep that guilt and shame spiral going. And just thinking about when I felt that immense dread, like I really did in the, in that awareness moment, feel like this is so bad. Like something's wrong with me. I'm not doing things right. When, like you said, that was a gift like that, that moment was such a pinnacle moment for me changing in so many ways. And now like when I feel even just the slightest feelings that resemble that, instead of feeling like something's wrong with me, it's like that hint of like, okay, Sam, like what's going on, right? right. Like, let's get curious about this. And so, um, oh, this episode is amazing. <laughs> I like don't want it to stop, but like we have to for your time, for our time. <laughs> So for everybody listening, where can they find you and where can they find the book Tired as Fuck? You can find me on Instagram. I'll probably still be there because I still have an Instagram addiction and I still haven't done <laughs> anything about it yet. So you can find me at the fuck it diet because Instagram won't let me change my handle <laughs> because I'm fucking verified. Okay. It was talk about a goal that I was like, ah, oh, I finally like something in internet land is going to click and I'm going to be like content. And then I'm like, oh, I fucking hate Instagram. Okay. So that's where you can find me. You can find, well, you can go to the fuckadiet.com slash tired and you can read the beginning of tired as fuck. Um, a lot of people think that it's going to be a self-help book and it's, it's really not. It's like very story-based. It's very memoir-based though. There are definitely like big kind of like cultural themes um, things that people will, will relate to. And then the last part of the book is about the rest and about like what 
I did and what we can do, what one can do. And we kind of went over that a little bit. Um, but yeah, the book is, is all about this. And if you have any interest in reading it, um, reading the first chapter that I offer on my site will help you understand, like, if you actually want to read the whole book. That is perfect. And I'm assuming it is available anywhere books are sold. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Caroline. Thank you so much, guys. This is so fun. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod we promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics greatest guests and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit we love you we appreciate you and we will see you next week for a lot more fun